Behold, and how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down the beard. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing. Really want to thank each of you for coming along tonight. I think we're, we're, we're in for a, a very special evening. Let's uh, go now into a time of prayer. Uh, just maybe probably about five minutes you lead us uh, if, if you would like to. And then I'm going to be sh saying a few words of, of introduction. And then Jenny Clayton is going to be sharing about her experience of living under apartheid. A little while after that, Barry Isaacs, who I don't see yet, oh, there he is in his usual spot, uh, will be telling some of his story. And then later in the evening, we're going to leave this venue and go and find uh, groups of seven, and we've prepared questions that we're going to discuss together. So that's what the evening looks like, but right now, let's, let's pray together. Please feel free to lead us. tonight we want to remember the unity that we have in Christ that in your kingdom and from your perspective there is neither male nor female slave or free Jew or Gentile that we all are one in Christ you've given us one spirit to drink Lord you didn't start separate churches for different people groups but you made sure Lord that right from the get-go there was there was one church that was multiracial and multicultural and we desire to be a church like that too Lord where our culture is that of the kingdom of God where the things you have taught us, Lord, and revealed in your word, take preference over personal preference and culture. Thank you for this journey that we're on in a, as a church together, and we truly want to be a community that is, as you declared, Lord, a house of prayer for all nations, a place where where any and everyone can feel that they belong and that they can be part of your people. To this end, we commit ourselves, Lord.
God's people said, Amen. Well, I'm going to kick off tonight. Uh, I'm not going to be long, I'm hoping under 10 minutes. Uh, a brief history of oppression and, just, and injustice in Southern Africa. And I know tonight that there are people here that are far more qualified to, to give this, this talk because there are people here that have really experienced what it is to live under apartheid. Um, but I realize that I need to give a talk like this to kick off the evening uh, because anybody under 30 um, really probably has no personal experience of living under apartheid, uh, given that they were you know, maybe five years old at, the, at most. Uh, and so for our younger ones here tonight, um, I might have to cover some of the basics. Uh, and for you who, who are older, I know it's all old hat for you. But let's begin our, our journey through Southern Africa 400 years ago. I thought that's a good place. It's a round number. So 1618, and uh, the Khoi Khoi and the San are living happily in the Cape. And uh, in all likelihood, they are the only people that are here. And uh, they're probably enjoying, enjoying living here. And then in 1652, the Dutch arrive, you know, they're trading uh, in the east and they want a refreshment station. So Jan van Riebeck arrives and he brings with him some slaves. And this is where the Dutch influence really begins. And on the March the 28th, 1658, 174 Angolan slaves arrived. So this is really the first kind of real marker of things beginning to go dreadfully wrong in this part of the world. Uh, then in 1779, we have the Dutch beginning to have run-ins with the Khoza people and the frontier wars start. There were about nine of those wars in all. Then uh, in 1671, we have French people arriving, many of them settled in Franschhoek and, and learned to make wine. Uh, but they came to this country because they were fleeing persecution as Christians in France and in other places in Europe. And uh, that's why the, the French Huguenots came here. And then, of course, things hotted up. When the British arrived, uh, they tended to go pretty much everywhere back in the day. And in 1795, they arrived and had a look around and decided they rather liked what they saw and uh, weren't that impressed that the Dutch were already here. 
Uh, it didn't take the British too long, 19 years, to kind of sort out the Dutch. And uh, by 1814, they had started their colony here, the British. Elsewhere in, in Southern Africa, at this point in 1816 to 1828, we have Shaka Zulu, and I felt that his influence was profound enough uh, that he too needed a mention. He ruled a kingdom of about 250,000 people, had an army of 40,000 people, and some estimates say that he killed close to two million people. On one occasion, he murdered 7,000 of his own people because he felt they weren't upset enough when Shaka's mother had died. By the time we get to 1835, the Boers, who were probably the French Huguenots, and of course the Dutch, and many of the Dutch by that time had married many of the slaves. There was a, a great imbalance of male and female, and so when the Dutch men uh, wanted wives, it was actually the slave woman that they married. They were emancipated from slavery, and uh, the great trick took place because the Boers had enough of the English. And so they headed north uh, to find their place in the sun. And they ran into uh, gold fields and diamonds, diamonds and in uh, Kimberley and in Joburg, uh, they started having a great time and the English wanted in on the action. And so the English headed up there too. That resulted in the First Boer War in 1880, where the British were defeated. Around about this time in Europe, Europe is looking at Africa and all that Africa has to offer, and feels that they too want in on the action. And uh, they pretty much divided up the continent with Britain taking 30%, France 15, Portugal, Germany, Belgium, and Italy. And uh, this was the heyday of colonialism, which really uh, took over the entire continent. There was only 10% of Africa left that was ruled by Africans by 1914. Then of course we get the second Boer War uh, this time the British got reinforcements from the Canadians and uh, put many African people uh, and many Afrikaners and Boers into concentration camps. We know that 28,000 Boers died, that included 22,000 children and the rest of the people that died would have been women and 20,000 African people died in the British concentration camps. By the time 1910 came around, we had the Union of SA formed. This was when the different free states and colonies all decided to get together. And this is where the whites really consolidated their power. Uh, it was less now about which nation you were from and more about the fact that, that you were white. And so in 1912, when the ANC 
can see that things are, are bad. They form to oppose uh, what they saw happening in the country. Then this delegation uh, in 1914 went over to England, a couple of pastors involved there, and their job was to try to persuade the British that they were being treated unfairly and uh, they were looking for justice, but they found none. And of course, that's when the ANC really takes off and, and begins. And then from in 1948, the Nationalist Party came into power and by a fairly narrow margin came into power and from 1948 to 1994, we have apartheid. And for those of you that are under 30, we printed a little sheet that just outlines some of the key aspects of apartheid legislation. Things like the Population Registration Act that divided up everybody into groups, the Immorality Act, the, which forbid people falling in love, across races, the Group Areas Act that resulted in forced removals, the Suppression of Communism Act which stopped people being able to meet freely to oppose what the government was doing, the Bantu Education Act that ensured that non-white people got an inferior education that would, that would limit them that, the Bantu Authorities Act that disenfranchised African people by saying they all belonged in the various homelands scattered around South Africa. They needed to go there and rule themselves there, and we, the whites, are having this all for ourselves. And then, of course, there were the pass laws that forced African people to carry booklets and, and get permission if they wanted to travel anywhere in South Africa. Of course, there was the Separate Amenities Act, where everything was for whites only, etc., etc. Beaches, cars, uh, beaches, uh, government facilities, etc., etc. And many other acts which enforced injustice and oppression. By 1960, we have the passbook protests that resulted in the Sharpeville massacre. Four or 5,000 people gathered to peacefully protest at the police station without their passbooks, I believe. And the police opened fire and killed 69 people, and 180 people were injured, many of them shot in the back. The government didn't allow people to bury their dead in a meaningful way, but delivered the coffins en masse in flatbed trucks. You can see in the picture below. Jump on many years to the Soweto uprisings, June the 16, 1976, where students and young people are objecting to Afrikaans being forced upon them as the medium of instruction. Again, the police opened fire, 176 people killed. Some say it could have even been 700 killed with a thousand of injuries. By the time we get to 1985, the opposition to apartheid is really getting strong, and this is where many of us can 
who are younger can begin to recall what was going on. And the state of emergency, I think the best way to explain it to people that were not there, it was almost like martial law was, was established, but only for non-white people, um, where you could be arrested uh, and thrown into jail um, without a fair trial just because they didn't like the way you looked. You could be shot. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a terrible time. In all, there were 2,346 people detained without trial. And I'm sure some of you here today know people that were detained without trial. I personally do too. The government in South Africa was heavily militarized and uh, the police got up to terrible things. This one strikes close to home because you can see the Athlone Towers. This was the Trojan Horse Massacre where 10 policemen hid themselves in the back of a truck and uh, drove along into an area where there were young people, waited for someone to throw a stone at the vehicle, dived, stood up in the truck and just indiscriminately shot people, including children. And they didn't happen to get away with this one this time because the cameraman caught it all on film. And if you Google it, you can watch the footage. I decided not to show it tonight. In 1990, Mandela is released. Uh, the ANC and the PAC and other organizations are unbanned. And uh, you know how the settlement came about. And in 1994, we have the birth of the new South Africa. And I wish we could say that at this point in our history, oppression and justice was over. But no. I just want to highlight two things in the new South Africa, and of course that would be the xenophobic attacks that we experienced in 2008 that left 62 people dead. And of course very recently, well, in 2012 we had uh, Marikana. But on a positive note, and I knew I had to end on a positive note, I think things are getting better in our country. Uh, there is a new unity, uh, there is developing a culture of human rights, and uh, we can praise the Lord for all that we've experienced. Just some final thoughts from my presentation. We have a long history of oppression and injustice in South Africa, and our troubles did not begin in 1948 with the establishment of apartheid but people dominating other people, injustice, it, it began hundreds of years ago. It's taken many different forms. White people held other white people in concentration camps. Um, black people, African people committed genocide. I'm thinking of Shaker against other African people and groups. The rich have exploited the poor so much has gone wrong. And our question here tonight is, what were those values and attitudes that allowed all of this oppression, domination, and injustice to occur? And of these attitudes and values, what of them uh, still exist among us? So thank you for your attention. Jenny, it's, it's not 